Lantern. You're listening to CITR FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. And it's time right now for the Nardwar, the human serviette radio show. You just heard right there, James Gilmore, the Gilmore Singers from 1967 in Richmond, British Columbia, Canada, celebrating the Gilmore Singers, celebrating 100 years, 100 years of Canada. And coming up, celebrations of 150 years of Canada. And speaking of celebrations, right after this record, the Gilmore Singers, I'm going to play Happy Birthday Chris. So we're going to celebrate Chris's birthday. Yes, Happy Birthday Chris. It's a record. Play the record inside this envelope and I'll sing a special 
birthday song just for you. Happy birthday, Chris. So we're going to play Happy Birthday, Chris. And we just heard, again, the Gilmore Singers, Richmond 1967, as put together by teacher James Gilmore, the Gilmore Singers. Today on the Nardwarda Human Serviette Radio Show, an interview with the Lemon Twigs. The Lemon Twigs. An interview with the Lemon Twigs from Hicksville, New Jersey. Yes, Hicksville, New Jersey. And we are also going to hear a bit of the Box Tops doing Break My Mind. So, happy birthday, Chris. The Box Tops break my mind, and then an interview with the Lemon Twigs on the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. This is Space Command to Zoom. All systems are go for your message to Chris. Hey, Chris. It's your birthday. I'm in charge of the stars, and I'm here to say, Hey, Chris, you're the big star today. My name is Zoom, and I live on the moon. But I came down to Earth just to sing you this tune. Cause, Chris, it's your birthday today. A present for you I wanted to find An outer space creature, a one of a kind A wild womp or a kookle-chew A snaffle drop or a buzzer stew Or maybe a three-eyed tickle shake For your birthday Did you ask What's a kookle-chew? Well, up on the moon, it's nothing new but that won't do for you on your birthday. I searched behind the clouds and stars. I even zoomed my bike to Mars and met my friend, the saucer man. And he said, Hey, Zoom, I've got the bestest plan. What your friend needs is something new. So how about a song just from you? Break my mind, break my mind. 
Lemon Twigs. Could you please introduce the Lemon Twigs? Uh, I'm Michael D'Addario, and this is Brian D'Addario. I am Brian D'Addario. And Brian, we also have another member of the... The Lemon Twigs. Right here? Right. 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 Who do we have right there? Megan Zinkowski. And beside her... We have... Melody, the record rap. Yes. You are correct. <laughs> From 4AD. Yes. From XL. Yes. And who isn't here? Who isn't here? Danny. Danny Ayala. And what do you play? I play drums and guitar in the live band, and he does the same. Yes. And you also play cello. I I do, but uh, not as well as the other instruments. And to welcome you to Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, and Neptune Records, I have a gift for you, a Velvet Underground original poster. Oh, my God. Wow, dude. Of them playing in Vancouver. Wow. Which you guys are going to play. That's, yeah. Yeah, we're going to play tonight. And on the back, it is empty, postcard-ish, so you can write a special message. Oh, cool. Will it still uh, work? It will st- well, actually, you will have to provide the postage. Yeah. But it is a postcard, an original Velvet Underground poster. That's amazing. That's amazing. Thank you so much. Now, you have a gift for me, don't you? Yeah. The gift of knowledge. No, Night Song. Oh, Night Song. That's what oh, I mean. Yeah, uh, yeah, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. We mention you uh, by name uh, in the song. Oh, yeah. Now, I was curious, what is the reaction to the Nardwar reference? What is it? Oh, so, well, uh, people usually don't notice it, and then, like, somebody, uh, after they listen to it a few times, you know, they, like... It bombs. Yeah, one of those... <laughs> it bombs, yeah. You're right. <laughs> what is the line? What is the line? It's, uh, I, I, think, um, I took my short-legged woman to the dance last night. We watched the Highway Patrol take selfies with Nardwar. Yeah. And I am... Nardwar! Yeah, that's you. Uh, how did you discover me? We were, oh, 
How do we discover you? YouTube. Yeah, YouTube. We, we I think we we YouTube probably videos. saw the MGMT interview first, really? and then we kind of I think so. There's probably. so many interviews. Yeah, yeah I know I there's so many interviews, but you know that was the first one I saw. I remember seeing that one. And I don't know. I saw. I s- we've seen a lot of your interviews. And you decided the favorite one is the Eric Andre one. <laughs> and you decided to integrate me into an actual song. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Has it been done before, other than the theme song? It's pretty amazing to have me play to Alex Turner and Tony Visconti. Oh, yeah. How did they react to the Nardwar song? <laughs> uh, we didn't discuss it, but uh, well, I, I think I'm they would have supported yeah. it, probably. Because you spread my name to those people. Yeah, yeah. That's true. Uh, do you have any other names you put out there? Like, I'm like really excited. You have the Nardwar name. No, I mean, uh, no, you're no, the only person we've directly referenced in a song, I think. Yeah, but I think uh, I think that at least Alex Turner would probably already know Nardwar. Well, I did talk to him, but thank you again for all these years later ha- for having the night. Uh, what is the song called again? It's called Night Song. It's going to be song. on a on a EP that we'll release later this year. Uh, could you just sing this a tiny bit of it for me? I took my short-legged woman to the dance last night. We watched the highway patrol take selfies with Nardwar. Amazing. What does that mean, selfies with Nardwar? I wasn't, I, I what, he helped me write the lyrics to that one, and I, uh, w- w- they didn't really, none of them really meant anything. That so was, then, I, then, uh, I, like, I, the other part is, like, uh, uh, I think I went a little nuts at the grocery store. I walked through every aisle and threw things on the floor. It's just different so things just like that the character had done that day. Yeah. And I thought it was an interesting image of you on the side yeah. of the street with uh, the highway patrol taking selfies yeah. with them. I am so honored by the song that you Lemon Twigs have written about me that I will give you another gift. What can you say about this record right here? The Box Stops. All right. Well, you love the Box Stops, don't you? Well, I really love Alex Chilton. You love the Box Stops, don't you? <laughs> well, sure. I love, I love the Box Stops. Too. He shares a lot in common with you when he was like 16 putting out this 7 inch. Yeah, and I'm going to be in the Lemon Twigs for just about another couple albums, and then I'm going to go do my own thing. Uh, just that's, like Chilton, that's dude. That's not the first I've heard of that. <laughs> But you have covered the box stops. Yeah, I have. Wow. Yeah. You've covered Just live. Covered uh, everything I am by the box stops. They're really important to the Lemon Twigs, aren't they? They're crucial to our sound. And you've actually been to Jody's studio. Yeah, we went to Arden. Yeah, that they, was w- they surprised me. Jody of Big Star. Yeah. Jody. They surprised you. They surprised. Like, the rest of the band surprised me that we were going there. I thought uh, we were in Mississippi. Yeah, us and uh, our tour manager Colin at the, at the time, we uh, went to. Uh, o- we told him we were going to go to Oxford, Mississippi, um, and that we were going to go straight to the venue there. Um, and then he was asleep in the car, and we woke him up, and we were in the parking lot of Ardent, and we kind of went in, and we we're like, "We're here at the venue." And he was like, he walked in. It was it probably wasn't until like he was walking through the doors that he said. Is this Ardent Studios? And then no, I, saw, I saw the on the on the play, whatever. That those are just you know very sp- specific uh, yeah, things. Yeah. And there uh, was Jody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were like they were like, and there's a special guy in there. You, you know, freaking out. Yeah, that was cool. That was yeah. really cool. 
Are you really excited about the Burger Records box set? The Big Star box set on cassette? Well, uh, I didn't really listen to many cassettes, <laughs> but I think the it's... The issue of... Oh, okay. I did hear about that, and I think it's great that uh, people that do listen to uh, cassettes will be able to get it. Yeah. You are the lemon... Twigs. How important is the gong? Oh, the gong. Well, um, it's just something that we kind of obsessed over when we were little, and we made our parents go out and uh, buy us one. Yeah. Um, and it, it was important to us because of the who. Uh, and we thought, Keith Moon has a gong, we should have a gong. So we got a gong. Have we integrated the gong into any of your music? Yeah, well, I've only, I think I've only recorded it one time. Like, our, our mom, we did a Beatles cover with our mom, and I think we put it in that. But I've never recorded it other than that. But we got to start bringing it around, really, live. And you were also on stage with Little Richard? Oh, yeah, when I was... Uh, Michael, oh, yeah, Michael was, yeah, yeah. This guy's got false memories or something. No, I, I, I was on stage dancing, and you were on his piano. Oh, yeah, I was on his piano. and <laughs> You were both on stage yeah. with the Richard. Yeah, I guess so. I thought it was just Michael. Which is pretty neat. Little Richard? Yeah, it was Little Richard. I think it was a Little Richard. And you were very little. Yes, Chuck Berry, like, combination concert. Yeah. That, that and they brought they brought kids up on the stage, yeah. And I saw him, and he had so much makeup on. Oh, sorry, he had so much makeup on. And I came off the stage, and I was like, like he looks dusty, because he has so much makeup on. You know. Yeah, he was a little boy. Yeah. He didn't play anything. No, nobody was playing. Everybody was just dancing. He was like three, four, five years old. Yeah. Or something. You knew how to play. No, not when I was three. Probably. No, I was. Probably oh, you were probably five, and I was probably seven. I think. I don't think you were that young. So at that time, you would have known how you to play. You have no idea. And you are the lemon? Twigs. And this is how to know your brother. That's right. <laughs> That's what this is, yeah. What can you say about your brother? I think he's wonderful, and I love him so much. What can you say about your brother? Now he has to say something positive. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> he's try like... To say, try to say something positive. <laughs> That's a good challenge. Brian's a really talented guy. What can Megan say about the brother? Both of them. Brian and Michael. <laughs> I think Michael is the fire. <laughs> and Brian is the river. And that is the lemon twigs in a nutshell. Sure. I think we covered it. I think we buried it. I was curious, what can you say about this record right here, The Monkees? More of The Monkees. This has got a lot of hits on it, I think. In fact, if we turn it over, we have a song that's very near and dear to the Lemon Twigs. We have a couple songs that are pretty near and dear, but I'm wondering what, which one you are referring to. The Kind of Girl I Could Love. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, my first song, um, Girl, it was called, was a direct rip of that song. And I didn't know until I was older. And I was like, oh, crap, that, you know, that was a rip. What can I say about the influence of the monkeys? Like, ripping off the monkeys, how old were you writing your first song? I was seven. and uh, like you were allowed to rip off the monkeys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it, was, it was good. It was good, but uh, I, I, we just love the TV show and uh, all the Beatles movies, and uh, th those kind of those were the things that we were really obsessed with because it was really easy to get into the yeah. show and the Beatles movies and similar style, I guess. What are the early Lemon Twig songs, and do you play any of those live? The songs that you ripped off years ago when you were seven. 
Um, no, we don't really. What is the oldest song you play in your repertoire? Uh, we really only play uh, as old as the record, so probably as long as we're together or yeah, or I want to prove to you. Yeah. Like in practice? Oh, in practice? No. Oh, well, we're only we've only been playing like three years, all of us together. Like me, Danny, and Brian have been playing for like ten years, but yeah. So we don't know, know sometimes all the same song. Me and Danny and Michael will play this song I wrote called "The Plan." That was like uh, pretty much like a Muse song or something. It was like uh, it was like a very heavy uh, like rock riff. No, but I don't know. Never mind. I had a song called Guitar Love that we'll we'll play sometimes. In soundcheck. Uh, no, not soundcheck, but like in our basement. Sometimes we'll play that. But your dad also left a song with the Carpenters. How close were the Carpenters to finishing your dad's song? Apparent, apparently pretty close. Apparently they had the arrangement all done. And apparently they had the the guide vocal. She died, and then uh, he never heard about it again. Yeah, he tried to get in contact with the person who, the manager. Yeah, and some people told us that they were going to get in contact with those people since we started doing stuff. Like, some people told us, but we haven't seen it. It's probably hard to do. I don't know. What about you guys finishing it? Finishing the vocal? Well, we need, we don't, see, my dad never got it sent to him or anything, you know, so he's never heard it. He still knows the song. Yeah, well, we have. Yeah. we know the song. So you can finish it. The lemon twigs can finish what your dad and the carpenters started. Well, I mean, he need the recording. He's got his version, which is pretty, da- which is pretty good. You know. Yeah, he likes his version probably more than he'd like uh, our version of it. Now you also are heavily into the acting. We have been in our lives. Now you skated across the stage in flounder. Did you have wheels on you? I had heelys. They they were a big thing, I guess, earlier on uh, this decade. And uh, I had them. You know, they had little wheels inside the shoe, and they would ha- be half out. And you would just kind of like sometimes you'd go to the airport and you'd just glide around like that. Um, and it was pretty fun. There was a great clip. You as flounder. Yeah. There's l- many clips. I think there are. Um, Did you have the wheels live, like all the time? Yeah, you ha- you wore them backstage, and um, you would uh, you'd kind of have to take the wheels out of the shoe when you got off because uh, you, they didn't want you, you know, running into crap. And you also had an air harness. Oh no, that was this guy. Here. Oh, that was me uh, in Radio City. And you are again, Michael from the Lemon Twigs. Lemon Twigs. Yep. You were an actor too. It's, that's true, yeah. Now, were you excited? He had wheels, but you got suspended by air. <laughs> yeah. I was all up there, yeah. That was cool. How yeah. did that work? They harness and then wires, uh, you know. And then you sung. And then you sang. Actually, I didn't sing in that. that there, even though it was a musical, like, I wasn't singing. Like me and the brother in the play, we didn't sing. Oh, actually, the brother sang. And you were in 16 episodes of Are We There Yet? Oh, yeah, I think... 16? Maybe maybe, uh, maybe 18, maybe 17, I don't know. Katie Holmes? That's, yeah. Michelle Pfeiffer? All, yeah, they were all... Banks? I met them all. Banks? I met them all. 16 episodes? That is a <laughs> long time. That isn't a small IMDb entry, is it? Pacino? I met him, man. Uh, is there anybody you haven't met? 
I always come till today, man. A bad boom. <laughs> you do the Nardwar. Well, you meet me every night. That's right. What does a Nardwar song do? Like that's what I was curious about. Well, it's one it's, of the it's better. It's uh, the better. one that. So he plays half his set on guitar, and then I come up and play guitar for the other half of the set, and we start off with that song because it's an energetic. It's an energetic one. You should come to the show tonight. Uh, what does the label think about the song? <laughs> like you should remove Nardwar and insert. They no, said. they they can't. They. They haven't heard it yet. <laughs> one of the one of the one of the people at the label texted me and they said, uh, "He said, do you say Nardwar in that song?" And I was like, "Yeah, that's right." Please edit that out. <laughs> no, I think they think it's cool. And save that for my life with Wyman. My life with Wyman, Mr. Wyman. That's my uh, teacher. That's my um, my uh, band teacher. Band teacher, yeah, in high school. And I have another gift for you, Lemon Twigs. It is a Beach Boys English pressing. An English pressing. Cool, man. Are you collector scum? Do you like the English pressing? No, we're not collector scum. We're not deserving of this. We just... To listen. Yeah, we just we just love the Beach Boys. Yeah, yeah, we so. buy things to listen. So we have. Uh, Do you already have the English pressing yeah, of that? We have. Uh, we probably have the American, American. one because my dad bought all the Beach Boys all stuff. Now the Beach Boys, interestingly enough, had the cocaine sessions. What can you say about the cocaine sessions, like Big Macs and cocaine? Count me in. Well, <laughs> well, there's this song on it called "Oh Lord." that I've listened to a lot and it's just so like hauntingly beautiful and he's like he's sings like really great Brian Wilson sings really great on it and it's it just uh, it's brought me to tears before it's it's a cool song but the cocaine sessions big max cocaine how does that oh. come into play well, I guess like they they say that Dennis like got Brian into the studio by offering him uh, cocaine and Big Macs. In some versions of the story, it's just Big Macs, and other versions, it's just cocaine. But quote, I love guitar, Jimi Hendrix and the Who. Rocking out is like what I'd like to do. Lives. Oh no! Is that living large? <laughs> what the hell is going on there? Uh, we there was like a person uh, my mom knew that was uh, had a terminal illness or something, so she uh, <laughs> something like that. So she so she uh, said uh, you know we want to do. She wrote this rap for us to sing for us to rap for a video to lift his spirits. Do you remember any of your rhymes? Um. Have what use happened to me? What? Who knows what I'll be? Can't fuck shit up for all eternity. Hmm. Or maybe I can always be the motherfucking definition of a G. Cause Mikey O hits it, motherfucker goes hard. Playing beats of just playing guitar. That, that it was sick. I did some sick rhymes, <laughs> and and uh, my flow was off the charts, and uh, I looked dope too. Has your dad said anything about the rock club? Like, uh, yeah, we've seen the Rock Club many times, right? No, they, well, we've seen Rock Daddy, no, which we've, is we've seen the Rock Club too. They they ended oh, yeah, up playing really a lot of uh, cover uh, shows, yeah. you know, because they're on Yellow Pills, and I thought I would get you a gift to give to your dad some Sinatra. Oh wow, the Sinatra songbook. Oh cool, because he plays guitar too. That's true, yeah. He's going to love this. What has your dad taught you about Sinatra versus the Yellow Pills? 
<laughs> well, um, he said, you know, well, he he always uh, pretty much. I don't, I don't know, dude. He he really he likes uh, Sinatra a lot. I he like, loves uh, Sinatra. I don't know how he he's never related it to the Yellow Pills yeah. uh, <laughs> compilation, <laughs> Power Pop compilations. But what 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 is it? Well, I guess what I was saying was like Yellow Pills versus the Lemon Twigs versus Sinatra. Do you guys have any Sinatra in the lineup? Have you ever done any? Would you use this book for transcriptions, keys? Well, I mean, we have a song called Frank that was like me trying to just do a Frank Sinatra song. Um, but well, if I person that then, but that's not in the song. That's just the name of the song. But that's another person who uh, we've re- referenced, yeah, but yeah, only yeah. in the so title. Up there with Frank. Yeah. Do you have any message for FKA Twigs? You are the Lemon Twigs, yeah. and she is FKA Twigs. Yeah. I think she shouldn't get out of steal. town. Yeah, she shouldn't steal our name. Out you know, of town. Like, she uh she stole our name and uh people are gonna find out about it and they're gonna get on. People our are case gonna find it. out about it. Uh, it's true. I don't want any more of this fake news spreading that. <laughs> that, <laughs> that, that sh- her name was first. That yeah. name was first. I was wondering, Michael, do you like mods? Uh, <laughs> not. I'm not. I don't really like the whole mod thing that much because a lot of the time, like our manager would like uh, look at what I was wearing and say, you know, that's very. You look like a mod, and I just, I didn't mean to do that. I always was trying to go for something else. Do any mods come to your gigs? Yeah, yeah. So I've met a, I've met uh, this guy who's like an old mod. It's pretty cool. How about young mods on scooters with no. parkas? No. no, I'd be so threatened by that because they all beat the crap out of each other, right? Not no. not out of other mods, I but... I uh, assume they got... But like, in England, though, in England, like you have... No, I've only met, I only met, well... Once a mod, always a mod, right? Now, we also have Megan right here. That's right. What can you say about Megan again? Uh, she's a good bass player. If if I'm the fire and Brian's the river, then Megan is the earth. Danny's the wind, yeah. Now, Danny's uncle is a blogger? He's blogger. a blogger, yeah. A vlogger. Yes. yes. He's going to love Shout out to John and, John the, and the D's. Good morning, good, good afternoon, afternoon, and good evening. evening. What can you say about his vlog? He's very talented at what he does. You know, I mean, um, I'm I can't claim to be an expert on the genre, but I think he does it oh, better yeah. than anyone else I've ever seen. Yeah, now and Danny, 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 Danny does a daily comment question of the day on his Instagram, and it's uh, a lot like the John the D's vlog. And I they're both. Say, I think maybe it runs in the family, like being good at vlogs, vlogging. I agree. How did you meet those guys? I met them in high school, orchestra class. You are the Lemon Twigs. And you are from Hicksville. Hicksville, Long Island. Yep. The train station. The train station, yes, the famous train station. And Jones's Beach? Yeah, Jones Beach. How how far is it? 20 minutes away. Yeah, 20, 25 minutes away. What about Taco Joe's? Taco oh yeah, we like Taco Joe's. We go there so often. Oh, they're too much. Yeah. We go there at you know every every chance we get. What about Nelly Taccarino? Oh, I don't think I've. We been never there. tried that actually. It's right across the street from Old Country Road where we went to uh, elementary school. I've never, I've never tried it. It's well, it's new. How about Boulder Creek Steakhouse? I've never tried that. Have you tried it? Tried it? You like Boulder? Is it good? Megan says it's good. She says it's overpriced steak for n- not the best quality. What about the Smash Burger? 
it's kind of salty burger. Uh, Very salty burger. It's I, I like I prefer Five Guys, but Smash Burger is really close. So. What about the Broadway Diner? The Broadway Diner? I I don't know. I, there's a bunch of diners around, and I guess is this the the, the very silvery diner? It's, it's the only diner, I guess. It's close to where we used to play the street fairs, right? It's close to where we did did the Hicksville Street Fair, like it's maybe. A good, it's a pretty good diner. Yeah. What about peppercorns? Um, pep- my friend, I have a friend who works there who said that he heard uh, heard our band playing uh, like on on there one time. He was like, "Dude, pretty good band." At peppercorns. Yeah, yeah. I, I have a friend who works there. I don't. I, I've never been there though. Have we missed anything out from the Lemon Twigs? Where else should we go in Hicksville? Uh, to eat. To eat. Um. Sakana, yeah, Sakana. Sakana is a great uh, Japanese. Make a nose. Yeah, yeah. She she likes to get like lots of uh, spicy spicy mayo sauce. Maybe four, five cups of spicy mayo sauce from there. Have people been critiquing your kicks, Michael? No, uh, maybe uh, (laughs) no. And I don't mean shoes. (laughs) (laughs) No, maybe uh, lack like. Yeah, sometimes, like, because maybe I do less now, so maybe they don't like that as much. Sometimes people will shout, do a kick! You know, and uh, that makes Michael not want to do a kick. Questlove loves you, doesn't he? Was it Questlove? No, it wasn't Questlove, but he does love... No, 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 he does love you, though. Yeah. wasn't him. Yeah, he was really nice when we met him. Did he get you on Fallon? I think he did. Our our manager's... uh, Like, how does a band get on Fallon? Well, I don't know how they usually get on. Usually not. I think we we kind of had a connection. It was like yeah, uh, our, or our, we did have our, a connection. Our manager's wife Dawn. She uh, manages uh, Questlove. She's one of his managers, and he and uh, uh, he heard the album through her. So he seemed to like the album, and they wanted us on the show. So we so were very lucky. Lemon Twigs, you studied for nine years classical guitar. You studied for nine years. Um, maybe not classical guitar. You studied a band for nine years. The uh, the Beatles. The Beatles. Oh, yeah. You guys know everything about the Beatles. Well, I don't. I don't want. I don't want you to like. Test me. I mean, I th- we know a lot. Yeah. Because I'm afraid that you know everything about the Beatles. I'm afraid that we don't know everything about. I'm them. afraid. Yeah, the opposite right now. But I wonder how much do you know a lot about the Beatles. How do Megan and Danny? Come on up here, Megan. How do Megan and Danny do with the Beatles? Danny doesn't do well. He does. He loves he uh, does. Rubber Soul. Yeah. But uh, that's that's about it presently. I th- you know yeah, he's getting he more know, into them now. He doesn't know. He doesn't know. He doesn't care. He doesn't know. He doesn't. He's starting to you know Come figure on. it out. Yeah. Because I thought I would give a gift to Megan and Danny because you guys know the Beatles so much, right? Like the back of my hand. We have Beatles gear because you have this book, right? No, we don't have this book. Oh, then you can all share it. And if you will open it up. Did you uh, mark things here? For yes, for you to look at. That is actually, first off, this book is by Andy from the Chesterfield Kings. And he goes through every single Beatles era and talks about the instruments. Every single one. And if you cool. open it up, you can even see right here the amps they used when they were recording in Germany. We have right here Paul's bass. With his set list. 
Wow, wow that's cool. amazing. Still taped. Jeez, Still taped. That's so cool. And lastly, which I love, this book is such an obsessive thing. We have John Lennon right there with a little good luck charm hanging from his guitar. Oh, wow. In 1966 in Japan. And there we have a picture of the actual good luck charm. Cool. So there we have for you guys to share in the van. Anything you'd like to add to the people out there at all? Lemon Twigs. I, I just feel honored to have been given this opportunity to be interviewed by someone that I've loved. So that's all I'm going to say. Why should people care about the Lemon Twigs? Why should people care? I don't know. You, they should care because we're coming for them, whether they like it or not. No, I don't know. Uh, they, they and watch out, FKA Twigs. twigs. Thank you again also for doing the song about Nardwar. I want to think it's about me when it isn't. Oh, the whole thing is about you. Yeah. And thank you for playing it to the Arctic Monkeys and kind of to David Bowie's producer. Oh, uh, yeah. No problem. I really appreciate that. And many other people. Yeah. I, who else? Um, my, my parents. <laughs> that, that's, that's a fun one to play, man. It goes over well. Well, thank you very much, Lone Twigs. Keep on rocking in the free world and do do loot do. Do do. That sounds cool.
You are still listening to the Nardwar, the Human Serviette radio show. And you just heard right there the Lemon Twigs with these words. Before that, the Lemon Twigs doing Night Song. And before that, an interview with the Lemon Twigs. And before that, the Box Tops with Break My Mind. I wanted to play you a whole bunch of 8-tracks, and then I got scared. But I did manage to play, uh, record one 8-track, a tiny little bit of the 8-track. It is the Watergate Comedy Hour 8-track, and then it broke. Yes, so I was scared to play future 8 eight tracks at the moment. But this right now is the Watergate Comedy Hour eight track on eight track about a minute's worth before the tape breaks. And then the monkeys with the kind of girl I could love on the Nardwar, the human serviette radio show. You mean... You mean we're not trying to get anything on them, we're trying to find out if they have anything on us? That's right. How would it look if, if they've discovered that we, what we've been up to and then sprung it on the public a week before the election? It would ruin the president's chances. I can just see the headlines. Republicans carry out massive political espionage against the Democrats. Why, they'd use that to say that we were undermining the whole American political system. But we are. Of course, but only to preserve it. You mean to tell me we're committing an illegal act in the Watergate to determine if they're aware of previous illegal acts we've committed against them? That's right. And we're doing this to preserve democracy? That's right. Democracy and four more years of Republican rule. Good. Well, just so long as it's not one to 20. You know, I, uh, I, uh, I can't believe the president's given his okay on this, though. I'm not saying that he has, but he's okayed the men who are okaying it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And if I get caught... Oh, it's simple breaking and entering. You do a couple of months, and we pay you for the rest of your life to keep quiet. Mm. Now, the brunt of any bust will be taken by four patriotic Cubans whom we've convinced that McGovern is a Castro-loving commie pervert.
the name implied. I'm not December bride. As you can see, you figured here's the chance to hear the things you'd like to say. The things you'd never say. Well, not here anyway. So settle back, relax a bit, and let me bend your ear. Why I tell you who I am and why I'm here. I'm saucy Sylvia, slightly risque, but that's okay. We're all grown-ups, aren't we? Well, aren't we? I'm not so sure about you, sir. I'm saucy Sylvia, telling you tales of oversexed males. Oversized females, living bras, illusion-giving bras. I'm not so sure about you. I'll solve all your problems regarding matters sexual. Though I'm no intellectual, that's true. And if he's quite small and thinks that it's deplorable, tell him it's adorable and that will see him through I'm saucy Sylvia nothing but class singing my ass cap songs and you'll be glad be glad that you were bad with saucy Ladies and gentlemen, I don't know if you like animal stories. Most people do. My favorite story is about the three bears. The papa bear came downstairs and he said, who's been eating my porridge? Who's been eating my porridge? And then the baby bear came downstairs and he said, who's been eating my porridge? Who's been eating my porridge? And then the mama bear came downstairs and she said, bitch, 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 I haven't even made the porridge yet. <laughs> Further of those stories, ladies and gentlemen, I think one of the cutest ones is about the two angleworms that were crawling along the ground. And one angleworm said to the other angleworm, after they had run into a caterpillar, one angleworm said to the other angleworm, I wonder what that bitch did to get that fur coat. <laughs> and if you like parrot stories, this is one of the cutest. This is about the drunken woman that falls into the bar and she's got this parrot on her finger and she says, Anybody that can guess the weight of this parrot can go to bed with me. And some drunk sitting at the bar says, 75 pounds. She says, that's close enough. Come on. <laughs> and I would like to tell you the definition of happiness. Happiness is discovering your wife needs a bigger bra. Happiness is discovering for the first time that you can do it the second. <laughs> Happiness is your mother-in-law's Maj group being picked up on a narcotics charge. <laughs> Happiness is a $500 call girl giving you for reference. <laughs> Happiness is discovering your babysitter is Lolita. <laughs> Happiness is Bobby Kennedy writing a book on birth control. <laughs> Happiness is your best friend marrying a nymphomaniac who owns a liquor store. <laughs> And finally, happiness is your brother-in-law who doesn't drink or smoke and gets gonorrhea. <laughs> right. 
Ladies and gentlemen, you know that lately the trend has been towards spying undercover agents. For instance, James Bond as the rough and tumble Sean Connery, who makes his way through the underworld by working undercovers. <laughs> I mean undercover. And then there's Robert Vaughn as the man from UNCLE, who runs around the world with a kid with long blonde hair, who in reality is the son of Lady Clairol. <laughs> but only his hairdresser knows that. But not since Mata Hari has there been a lady spy. Therefore, coming to your theater very soon, yours truly, Janie Bond, starring in The Woman from Auntie. <laughs> I'm known as Agent, a name of which I've grown quite fond. I've had it embroidered on all of my panties. Just look me up. I'm the woman from Auntie. I'm Agent 0069. I'm Agent 0069. I'm an undercover lover, cause undercover's where I shine. The only weapons I possess are hidden here beneath my dress. I wear a bra, size 43, holds two big revolvers, the rest is me. I drive a car with plenty of class. It uses Jim Beam instead of gas. The seats fold down under strain and stress, so there's plenty of headroom in that horizontal express. I had a case in Pakistan in which I captured a most wanted man. I tore off his coat, and when I opened his vest, there staring at me was a very womanly chest. Is that all you, I asked, in an envious way? He just nodded yes as his clothes fell away. It wasn't a he, but a she in disguise. And there was 0068 across both of her thighs. I'm Agent 0069. hold tear gas, my comb is a knife. I wear poison lipstick to take my own life. But the item that's been most effective for me is something I won't let just any man see. I use it so often to capture my man. They try to resist it, but none of them can. I press it against them, and that's when they melt from the icy cold locks on my chastity belt. I'm a
talk to a few people, ladies and gentlemen. I do want to say that since I've been on tour, this is my first tour for national recognition, that some of the greatest material that I get comes right from the audience, right from you people. I've been all around this country, and would you believe, June, that I was a teacher? I really was. Most people don't believe that. I tell you, my mother would flip if she knew I was doing this. She thinks I'm a call girl in Ann Arbor. <laughs> I was asking you know, if, you'd, if you switch out there where you live, uh, Gloria, because I've often thought that you'd rather switch than fight because it's what's up front that counts. And I always get very amazed when I hear a beautiful woman say, I've tried everything and I still prefer a camel. <laughs> this fellow met a girl on the street. He said, would you like to play a game called cigarette? And she said, how do you play that? He said, well, do you want to walk the mile or do you want to satisfy? She said, well, that depends whether it's regular or king size. And he said, well, it's filter tip. And by the way, this is National Sex Week, and all the girls that gave it the office do not have to give it home. Bill, you have eight children, Bill? Oh, you are a sex maniac, you. Well, I have advice for you. Next time you wake up, get up. All right, is that good? All right, let me give you some of the things that have come in. Someone sent this up to me. Have you heard about Skinner, who took his gal to dinner along about nine after cocktails and wine? It was in her, the dinner, not Skinner. Skinner was in her before dinner. Here's another one that came up to me when I was in uh, Indianapolis. A toast. Here's to it, and from it, and to it again. And if you don't do it when you get to it, may you never get to it to do it again. The birds do it, the bees do it. My mama told me not to do it. But I'll tell you what I will do. I'll lie still while you do it. <laughs> Don't you like those poems? Do you like little nursery rhymes? Things like, the farmer in the dell is getting mad as hell. His daughter gives away for free what she's supposed to sell. <laughs> Old Mother Hubbard went to the cupboard to get her poor dog a bone. When she bent over, Rover took over. Rover had a bone of his own. <laughs> Little Miss Muffet sat on the tuffet, eating her curds and whey. Along came a spider and sat down beside her and said, What's in the bowl, bitch? <laughs> and I don't know whether you've seen this commercial. Have you seen this commercial? I picked it up when I was working out in Phoenix, Arizona. Maybe you have seen it, where the girl comes out in her negligee, and the fellow is shaving, and she says, Good morning, Mr. Gray. He says, good morning, Mrs. Gray. And she says, gee, I love my new name. And he says, don't get too used to it, toots. Check out times in a half hour. <laughs> oh, this is, this is really amazing. This came up to me. Young girl runs in and says, mother, mother, I'm pregnant. The mother said, who's the father? The girl says, I don't know. You wouldn't let me go steady. <laughs> Someone sent this up. There was a young girl from St. Paul who went to a birth control ball. She bought all the devices at ridiculous prices and nobody asked her at all. <laughs> I keep my arms wide open all the time. I keep myself quite willing all the time. Twine, because you're mine, unwind the twine. <laughs> one animal has the shortest sex life, a frog. One jump and he croaks. <laughs> Am I a people? Am I a people? No, you're a chicken. Do chicken come from people? No, chicken come from eggs. Are eggs born? No, eggs are laid. Are all people laid? No, some people are chicken. <laughs> and you know, we tell the ages of women geographically. 
From 15 to 25, they're like Africa, half explored and half unexplored. And from 25 to 35, they're like Asia, hot, torrid, and mysterious. And from 35 to 45, they're like America, streamlined, efficient, and cooperative. And from 45 to 55, they're like Europe, devastated but still good. And after 55, they're like Australia. Everybody knows where it is, but nobody ever goes there. <laughs> and I think this is one of the cutest things I've ever seen. This was sent up to me in Minneapolis, and it's what we call an expense statement. And here it is. Ad for female stenographer, dollar. Violets for new stenographer, dollar and a half. Week salary for new stenographer, $45. Roses for stenographer, $5. Candy for wife, 90 cents. Lunch for stenographer, $7. Week salary for stenographer, $60. Movie tickets for wife and self, $1.20. Theater tickets for steno and self, $16. Ice cream sundae for wife, 30 cents. Mary's salary, Mary's salary, $75. Champagne and dinner for Mary and self, $32.50. Doctor for stupid stenographer, $375. <laughs> Mink stole for wife, $1,700. Ad for male stenographer, dollar and a half. Is that cute? Is that true? <laughs> She was poor, but she was honest, victim of a rich man's whim. But he promised to be faithful, so she had a child by him. Now he sits in legislature, making laws for all mankind, while she walks the streets of Brisbane, selling chunks of her behind. <laughs> Isn't that touching? That is really very touching. Well, you know, I made some records, ladies and gentlemen. The first one that I recorded was <clears throat> Take Your Love and Shove It Up Your Heart. <laughs> which I recorded on the other side of How Can I Love You If You Don't Lay Down. <laughs> then I recorded the things we did last summer I've been taking shots for all winter long. <laughs> on the other side of that, I recorded I Don't Want a Mansion in the Valley, I Just Want a Shack Up on the Hill. <laughs> Finally, I recorded I've Got the Sun in the Morning and the Dad at Night. <laughs> Now this town is full of guys Who think they're mighty wise Just because they know a thing or two You can see them every day going up and down Broadway Telling of the lovers they all knew Now there's con men and boosters Card men and crap shooters They congregate around the Metropole they wear fancy ties and collars. Oh, but where they get their dollars? Let me tell you, they've all got an ace down in the hole. Some of them write to the old folks for coin. That's their old ace in the hole. Tenderloin That's their old ace In the 
tell you what the trips that they are going to make from Florida up to the old North Pole. But I said their names would be mud like a chump playing stud. If they lost their race in the hole, if they lost their old ace in the hole, some of them write to the old folks for coin. That's their old ace in the hole. Like a chump playing stuff If they lost Their old ace In the hole If they lost Their old ace In the From Owen Sound, Ontario, that was Sylvia Stoon with Agent 0069. We heard the entire side of Sylvia's Saucy Sylvia, that is Agent 0069, from 1966, released on the Phonodisc record label from Canada. 1966, Owen Sound, Ontario style. Right now, we're going to hear a little bit of a Mad Magazine Flexi Disc from 1978 on the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show.
There's this groovy chick I know, but we had no place to go. So we tried it in my Maverick instead. But there's no guarantees when the dashboard hits your knees and the steering wheel is wrapped around your
and you're still listening to the Nardwar, hopefully, human serv you're still listening, hopefully, to the Nardwar, the human serviette radio show. And you just heard right there Don Rally and his orchestra with Donna, the prima donna. And before that, we heard a mad magazine flexi making out from 1978. To end the Nardwar, the human serviette radio show today, here is Martin Luther King Jr. at Local 1199-1199. We are going to hear couple tracks from this record from 1968. We're going to hear Dr. King talks about Local 1199. Also, we're going to hear Everybody's Got a Right to Live by Jimmy Collier and Reverend Fred Kirkpatrick. From the record, Martin Luther King Jr. at Local 1199 on the Nardwar the Human Serviette Radio Show. My good friend Leon Davis, members of Local 1199, I can assure you that it is a delightful pleasure and privilege to be here tonight I don't consider myself a stranger. I've been with 1199 so many times in the past that I consider myself a fellow 1199er. <laughs> and so for many reasons, I'm happy to be here because of your fight for justice, your fight for peace, your fight for human decency and for dignity for every working person. I thank God for what your union has done and what you continue to do. I can remember just a few years ago, right here in this city, that hospital workers made wages so inadequately that it was a shame to say to anybody that these people were being paid. <laughs> and I would suggest that if all of labor would emulate what you have been doing over the years, our nation would be closer to victory in the fight to eliminate poverty and injustice. Everybody's got a right to live. On my way to Washington, feeling mighty sad, thinking about an income that I never had. Everybody's got a right to live. Everybody's got a right to live. And before this campaign fails, we all go down in jail. Long time ago, he's been the victim that brought him to the show. Like man dug the ditches, you down the pine, gave his trouble to Jesus, kept on towing the line. Everybody's got a right to live. 
quick. What a white man got to pay. Now look here, punk. This is a brand new day. No more full-time work. No more part-time pay. Everybody's got a right to live. Everybody's got a right to live. And before the champagne fail, we're all down in jail. Everybody's got a right to live. Look at here. I want my share of silver. I want my share of gold. Want my share of justice. Till my dying soul. Black man picked the cotton. Long time ago. He's been the victim. that brought him to the show. Everybody's got a right. I'm delighted to be here, and I want to get right into the message. And I want to try to talk very honestly and frankly about uh, this great problem, this great issue. Uh, that we face as a result of the war in Vietnam. Some of my words may appear to be rather harsh, but they will be as harsh as truth and as gentle as a nonviolent devotee would be. <laughs> Never in our history has there been such a passionate popular resistance to a current war. In addition to the millions upon millions of ordinary people, uh, eminent scholars, distinguished senators, uh, journalists, businessmen, professionals, students, and political leaders at all levels have protested the war and offered alternatives with an amazing tenacity and boldness. But one voice was missing, the loud, clear voice of labor. The absence of that one voice was all the more tragic because it may be the decisive one for tipping the balance toward peace. Labor has been missing for too long, the moral appeal has been flickering, not shining as it did in its dynamic days of growth. This conference, a united expression of varied branches of labor, reaffirms that the trade union movement is part of forward-looking America. that no matter what the formal resolutions of higher bodies may be, the troubled conscience of the working people cannot be stilled. This conference speaks for millions. And you here today will long be remembered as those who had the courage to speak out and the wisdom to be right. Now, what are some of the domestic consequences of the war in Vietnam? It has made the great society a myth and replaced it with the troubled and confused society. The war in Vietnam has produced a shameful order of priorities in which the decay 
squalor and pollution of the cities are neglected. And even though 70% of our population now live in them, the war has smothered and nearly extinguished the beginnings of progress toward racial justice. The war has created the bizarre spectacle of armed forces of the United States fighting in ghetto streets in America while they are fighting in jungles in Asia. The war has so increased Negro frustration and despair that urban outbreaks are now an ugly feature of the American scene. How can the administration with quivering anger denounce the violence of ghetto Negroes when it has given an example of violence in Asia that shocks the world? The users of naval guns, millions of tons of bombs, and revolting napalm cannot speak to Negroes about violence. Only those who are fighting for peace have the moral authority to lecture on nonviolence. Now, I do not want to be misunderstood. I am not equating the so-called Negro violence with the war. The acts of Negroes are infinitely less dangerous and immoral than the deliberate acts of escalation of the war in Vietnam. In fact, the Negroes in the ghetto, goaded and angered by discrimination and neglect, have for the most part deliberately avoided harming persons. They have destroyed property, but even in the grip of raids, the vast majority have vented their anger on inanimate things, not people. If destruction of property is deplorable, what is a word for the use of napalm on people? What would happen to Negroes if they not only set fires, but kill people in the vicinity and explain blandly that some known combatants had to die as a matter of course. Negroes would be called savages if we were so callous. But for generals, it is military tactics. As I move to my conclusion, let me ask you to indulge a personal reference. When I first decided to take a firm stand against the war in Vietnam, I was subjected to the most bitter criticism by the press, by individuals, and even by some fellow civil rights leaders. There were those who said that I should stay in my place. I was a civil rights leader and that these two issues did not mix, and I should stick with civil rights. Well, I had only one answer for that, and it was simply the fact that I have struggled too long and too hard now to get rid of segregation in public accommodations to end up at this point in my life segregating my moral concerns.
And I made it very clear that I recognized that justice was indivisible. Injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. And then there were those who said, you heard in the civil rights movement and one spoke to me one day and said, now, Dr. King, don't you think you're going to have to agree more with the administration's policy? I understand that your position on Vietnam has hurt the budget of your organization. And uh, many people who respected you in civil rights have lost that respect. And don't you think that you're going to have to agree more with the administration's policy to regain this? And I had to answer by looking that person into the eye say, I'm sorry, sir, but you don't know me. I'm not a consensus leader. Ultimately, genuine leader is not a sucher for consensus, but a molder of consensus. <laughs> On some positions, coward is asked the question, is it safe? Expediency asks the question, is it politics? Vanity asks the question, is it popular? But conscience asks the question, is it right? And there comes a time when one must take a position that is neither safe, nor politic, nor popular, but he must take it because conscience tells him it is right. <laughs> <laughs>